Ben. Great. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Max. Where are you? I'm from Queens, located in New York. Nice. Your your hometown. Your your home. Not exactly, but you're from Manhattan, the West Side. I am 78th and Broadway. Yeah. It is the same place that the character in my children's books live. Oh yes, that's right. Your your legendary books. We'll get into that after, but I got to give you this great intro. We want to welcome one of the okay, greatest actors, one of the one of the greatest actors of all time, an Emmy winner which he's very proud of. He's saved a lot of lives out here with his work and saved one literally. We have one of the greatest and iconic actors of all time here tonight on the show, as I say again, Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I am so excited to be with you, Max. You are, that is the name of my son. Mm -hmm. So you could be my son. <laughs> he's just a little older than you. Yeah, and he's a director. He is a great director, I must say. As a matter of fact, he directed my audition for Barry. That's right. He helped you with that. He did. He did. Congratulations very, on that, Emmy. Thank you. He was very strict. Very, very strict. Yeah. So, yeah, I got uh, an Emmy for directing an after-school special. Mm -hmm. I got an Emmy for a voice uh, when I did Clifford the Puppy Years. And now I finally have an Emmy for acting. Congratulations on that. As you said that you wrote the speech as soon as you won that award 37 years ago, but it was time. Could you believe it when your name was called? Could you really believe it? You know, you, you think, okay, now I've been through this a lot. Uh, everything is, I'm cool. It, it, everything is good. And then when they call your name, your brain turns to cream cheese. <laughs> You, you know, I, I'm so grateful. I remembered to kiss my wife. Uh, I walked on stage and I saw the stars of the crown. And I started to talk to them about how great the second season was that they were in. And then I realized, wait a minute, I, I have to make a speech. Yeah. I turned around, I had 37 seconds. <laughs> to make the speech I had written all those years ago. Well-deserved. And I think Bill Hader recognized that this was well-deserved. Thank you. Well-deserved. Yeah. So what grade are you, what year are you in? I'm actually a graduating senior walking oh, in a few weeks. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's a big deal. What are you going to do? Are you going to be in the, in the radio? Yes, radio. I'm actually pursuing an, a talent agent right now, so I'm, I'm, I may be getting into acting soon. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. wonderful. Thank you. Oh, terrific. And, and who is your audience for this show? The students of your, of your university? Yes. Students of my university, the people who follow me on my platforms on Instagram and Twitter. We're available on all podcasts and platforms, streaming, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere. So everyone who's tuned in. Wow. I only have Twitter. Oh, you only have Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I, I am so dyslexic. I, the, I couldn't figure out any other platform. Mm. I have fallen off every platform. <laughs> no, but Twitter is the most important because you can engage in important conversations on there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I just say what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it's important that you speak yeah. out and you care about the youth. There's a lot of people out here that don't care about climate change. You care about people's futures. Well, you know, I am a grandfather, so mm -hmm. I have three children. I have five grandchildren, one on the way. And I really think about, oh, my God, I've had this wonderful life. 
in peace. I've been able to earn a living doing what I dreamt of doing. And now we live in such turbulent times. You know, when I was a little boy, uh, um, polio struck America. And I didn't hear one human being say, you know, I'm not going to get that vaccination. And they literally shut down polio. Measles, smallpox, gone. This virus keeps mutating until we get it together as a nation, maybe as a, a world. But, uh, you know, right now we live in America. I, it's like uh, shocking. Yeah. And you actually have a pillow of Dr. Anthony Fauci in the background. I and I can't believe that people would discriminate a doctor because he's the one that really has the knowledge about this thing going on. Well, not only that, but also that's Fauci on the couch. Fauci on the couch. Uh, Fauci on the couch. And he's been with me since uh, March of 2000. Uh, I got him from my, my nephew who had him in his car. And I just said, well, I'm going to uh, reappropriate this and, and put it in my house. And he has been with me on every Zoom since March of 2020. Wow. See, you would have never have known that. But it's important that you do speak out about these things. And we know we've seen the conflicts that people have had with you with saying how you feel. But it's important, as I said before. You know what is great? I don't see them on my feet. <laughs> you know, other people say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Like, you know, I love to fly fish for trout. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things. It is the only adult book that I wrote. Um, uh, I met an, uh, I never met an idiot on the river and, you know, it started off as photographs, uh, when I was fly fishing and then it turned into everything I learned about life, uh, while on the river, people started to attack me this year, first time. And I never saw it. Oh. Everybody said, oh, leave him alone. He puts them back. He doesn't keep any fish. He doesn't eat the fish. But I never saw the controversy. I think we live in a sensitive time where everyone could be sensitive. It's so it's such different times now. Yeah, it, it, it really is. How do you feel? How do you feel about the student body? Do they seem uh, to be on board with um, protecting each other? taking care of each other? Or yeah. is there a lot of um, discourse, a lot of uh, discord? There's there's some discord because there's a lot of people on campus that feel as though they can't get their voice heard. And we know who those people are and who they support. And there's a discord between the student body. You would think that it would be more united, especially on a college campus, but you do see the discord on there. Yeah, right. Well, I guess, I guess that's everywhere. Yeah. You know? It is everywhere. Uh, listen, here's here's another thing that I think about. I wrote um, uh, that if they're the only thing that is going to bring this country together in the immediate future is a uh, cataclysmic event, which means a natural event. Then people said to me, well, we had a pandemic and that didn't do it. But the pandemic pushed us all into our rooms, into our dorm rooms, our houses, wherever it was, it pushed us apart. But when there's a flood and you're on your roof, 
I don't think when that person is coming with a boat to get you and your dog, you and your grandmother, you and your family off that roof, I don't think you're thinking, wow, I don't like the color of that person's skin or wow, I wonder what their politics are. All you're thinking about is thank you, get me off my roof, I will die here. You see all the NFL players speaking out against the vaccine now, and that, that's what why I can't understand why there aren't people more united because you have people from all races speaking out against the vaccine. So why do we always have these racial tensions? It's like everyone thinks the vaccine's a conspiracy. You know what? I, I don't know. Um, what I know is there was a woman who um, stood in front of some uh, city council uh, who kept putting uh, metal on her body because she thought it stuck because there was um, uh, magnets in the vaccine. Of course, it was her sweat that held the key to her chest. But, you know, let's um, she thought it was magnetic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but let's hope that things get better. And before we really get into things, a happy days, night shift, because night shift is one of my favorite movies of all time. You know what? Mine too. Yeah. It's, it's, it stands today. Yeah. That was Ron Howard's first movie for a major studio. He made it for Warner brothers. We were doing happy days. Um, at, at the time he came to me, he said, look, just be in the movie. You can play either role. And I thought, well, I've played the Fonz now for 10 years, nine years. I'm going to play Richie. So I chose Chuck. And you know what? I, I loved being in that movie. And I knew way back then that I was in the presence of a really great director. You got that right. And starring with Michael Keaton, one of the greats. First movie. Mm -hmm. uh, couldn't find the co-star, couldn't find uh, Billy Blaze. Um, everybody uh, that we auditioned mostly in my house. Uh, Ron came and then all these actors came through. None of them seemed to be right. Michael Keaton came in, started to read the part. Within 30 seconds, I looked at Ron, he looked at me, and we knew we found the guy. Hilarious role. Just the two of you. I mean, there's just one delivery scene in which you're talking to Shelly Long. She's in the kitchen. She's making you eggs. And yes. you're on the phone yes. with, with, with Charlotte. And you look in and you say, oh, my God, I just stepped on a tack. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Well, the writers, uh, um, Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, Low Gans ran Happy Days for about seven years. Uh, he he is and and Babalu they are like now the masters of comedy. They're called comedy doctors. When there's a problem with a script, they send it to their office. They do a once over, punch it up, and send it back. But they wrote um, Night Shift. They wrote Splash. They wrote I think they wrote City Slickers if I'm not mistaken, along with Billy Crystal. Uh, they wrote Gung Ho. I, I, it just goes on and on and on. Or the scene with you and Michael Keaton in the office when he takes the paper off of their shoulders because he was using them as muscles. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, and a lot of that was improvised wow. by Michael. 
you know, the, the scene on the train when all of a sudden I'm just sitting there with my earmuffs and a guy comes up and plays the saxophone in my face. I wanted to, um, I, I think I was supposed to put a dollar in the saxophone to make him go away. Yeah. And I said, that doesn't seem to be it. And um, Michael said, write him a check, you know? And so uh, I wanted to put my wallet in there, anything to get this guy to go. But we, we had a lot of fun. Oh yeah. It's, it's an all time classic at the end of the end of the film. I love because you overcome your fear. You tell the dog to go home. You push yeah, Joe right. Spinell in the pool at the end. Wasn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, it was, it was wonderful to film. And you know what else, you know, I, I loved the water boy and I also loved a film that doesn't get, um, enough respect. Uh, Kevin James, asked me to be in Here Comes the Boom. And I think that film is funny, romantic. You cheer at the end. I mean, I, I literally uh, have seen it um, multiple times and I am still moved um, with the last, uh, the last fight. That's... Mm -hmm. That's another great one that you just brought up. And speaking of Night Shift, I was thinking before your cousin, Richard Belzer, people may not know that, but you did that movie with him when you're in the scene and you're spinning on the table. You know what? I have to tell you something. I did not know at that time he was my cousin. Wow. I had no idea he was related. That only came out years later. When you did SVU? When I did SVU. Wow. Yeah. And somebody brought that up yesterday, you know, that uh, I played the Fonz and then they see me do SUV, uh, SU, uh, SUV, whatever that is. Yeah, Special <laughs> Victims Unit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's how dyslexic I am. I can't even put letters together. But they said, you were so scary and so evil. How could you be the same guy? And I said, well, that's why you trained to be an actor. Mm -hmm. That's why you just don't go out there and try, but you you actually train your talent. That's right. And you got the proper training. You started out in theater. Yale. Yeah. You also you also graduated with a BA from Emerson, though. That's right. But you know what I think? I really believe if anybody is listening and you're thinking about um, being uh, an actor, theater is where you start because you learn everything about the uh, profession, about the, the, the um, mechanics of the job. And then you apply what you learn from the theater to everything else, to movies, television, radio, doing a radio play, a voiceover. You know, when I, I now do the voice on Monsters at Work. I play Fritz. That's right. Uh, and everything that i learned i have applied to every other job that i've had you bring one little thing to each role and you've actually saved all your jackets well i saved a lot of jackets in my life that's true uh i met my wife in a boutique in a, a men's um boutique in beverly hills when i was doing uh happy days early on uh, and I, there was this beautiful woman, red hair, uh, purple parachute pants. And I held up two jackets and I said, excuse me, 
uh, I, I'm having trouble. Which one? And I knew that uh, I would only buy one, but she, of course, said both. Now, I go back the next week, and it's altered, and she's there again. And I said, hey, you're here again. Do you want to go for a soda? So we went to the hotel down the road um, and uh, the Wilshire, and ha I had a ginger ale, and that's how it started. Amazing. And you're still together all these years later. God yes, bless you. Been married and... for 43 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And you've survived throughout the pandemic with each other too, 24 hours a day. I'll tell you, um, it's an amazing thing. And Zoom helped. I've done uh, speeches on Zoom, meetings on Zoom, uh, play readings on Zoom, uh, uh, fundraisers on Zoom. Uh, I did the um, voices for some cartoons. Uh, oh, Scoob, Scoob. Huh, Scoob? Scoob. Well, Scoob, I went into the studio. Okay. But uh, Central Park, I did on Zoom. Wow. Yeah. Central Park is funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh Gad, I think, is uh, one, of the, um, one of the heads of that show. Your first work in television was a game show. Uh, it was. Uh, I made $10 by being one of the extras in the front row of the game. I even forgot its name. <laughs> Do you know the name? No, actually, no. Not. I just did my research online. It's a Henry Winkler's first did really research. Yeah. But I, I have to tell you, I don't remember the name of that show. Um, then what else did I do there? Oh, commercials. I did a lot of commercials. That was a savior for me because I worked in front of a camera. I did vignettes, you know, little um, slices of life for uh, decaffeinated coffee, American Airlines, a zipper company, um, uh, VO5, which was a, a hair product, Alberto VO5. I don't even know if it still exists. Uh, but it was great training ground for working in the theater. Mary Tyler Moore, you had a part on there too. First, first job in Hollywood. I landed one week later. I went and auditioned. There were four lines. I had lived it to eight. And boom, I was on my way. And eventually you get the role as Butchie and Lord now, of Flatbush. That was before I came to California. So I get the part. Now, I'm walking down the street with another actor. We're going to audition for commercials. He said, you know, they, there's a part open in this independent movie called The Lords of Flatbush. And I said, okay. I called my agent immediately. Well, there were no cell phones at that time. Yeah. I went to a pay phone, called my agent. They got me in. I had lived. I got the part. It was the only time in my entire career that my career intersected with Richard Gere. He was let go. I was hired. Uh, and I starred with uh, Sly Stallone in The Lords of Flatbush. And you studied him. I did. I did. He, he is so smart, so funny, and such a prolific writer. Yeah. Sly is um, a gem. 
he is a gem and you know he presents himself one way but he really is this um artist uh in the rough underneath and you eventually you were the one that kind of helped him out with rocky because you he gave you the script that was amazing so i'm here in california I'm doing, uh, I have an apartment uh, right off of Sunset Boulevard um, and I get a call and it's Sly. He said, I just arrived here in California and my car broke down. I said, okay, you tell me where you are and I'll come and get you. And I picked him up, his first wife, Sasha, and their bull mastiff that had so much slobber, I need to wear a bathing suit in the back seat. So I take all of his stuff. We get to his apartment off of Sunset Boulevard. Now he said, I have a script. I take the script to ABC because Happy Days is on ABC. I sell it. I go, hey, Sly, we're in. I sold it. Now ABC comes to me and they said, you know what? We want to put another writer on it. I called Sly. I said, Sly, I got bad news. The good news is we sold it. The bad news is they want to put another writer on it. He said, Henry, don't let them do that to me. And I went back to ABC and I said, okay, this is weird. I'm giving you your money back. I need that script. They said, we don't do that. I said, you've got to do it. Now, thank God I was playing the Fonz and thank God the Fonz was a hit. And so that gave me a little bit of leverage. Mm -hmm. And they went, all right, for you, I'll do this. And I got the script back, gave them the money, gave the script to Sly. About a year and a half later, Rocky came out. I wonder what ABC uh, thought at the time, what ABC thought. Thought, woo, we made a big mistake. Just think that you touched the script of one of the greatest movies of all time. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. But I I must say that I was, um, I, I have not been in contact we slide for a while. <clears throat> wow. But I have the, uh, uh, this warm relationship with him. And I he, he's really uh, one of the greats. Yeah. He truly is. As you are, as when you get the role in Happy Days of, as everyone knows, Arthur Fonzarelli, the Fonz. Oh, man. Now, I go in. I have hair down to my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And all I did was change my voice when I went into audition. They called me on my birthday, October 30th, 1973. I have to go back to New York because all my money that I saved uh, that I had for this trip to California was spent. I'm, I'm getting on the plane in three days. They call me and they said, how would you like to play this character? I said, I I would. Let me show the emotional side of this character. He's not just cool, you know, when he's in his apartment by himself. They said, yes. I said, yes. And I spent 10 years doing a wonderful show with a wonderful group of people. It's one of the greatest of all time, and it's still surviving other generations. It's going to survive from years to come. Can you believe that? It Did you think at that moment, like in a certain point, let's say the third or fourth season, that this would just go on for years and years and years, and it would be such an iconic figure? 
no idea. All I know is I get a part and my job first is to get the job. Second is to make the job, make this character come alive. So every week I'm just thinking about what's funny. How do I do this? What's I let stuff just come out of me without even, um, uh, rehearsing it. I would, some things would start to happen and Bumo, it, uh, you know, uh, people stop me on the street to this day. It, I, it's a blessing. It yeah. is a blessing. The greatest, in my opinion, the greatest TV actor of all time, the greatest TV character of all time, especially. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, it's just so iconic. Everyone knows who the character is. It's just, I feel as though even if you're not even born yet, you know who the Fonz is. Well, you know, he, he's been on a lot of different channels yeah. uh, in 126 countries. Uh, you know, now there are these pop-up dolls. You know, those pop-up, is that, is that what they call called? Oh, the, the pop Funkos? Yeah, right. Yeah, there is one. I've seen it online. And, you know, there's one of the principal from Scream. <laughs> principal Henry. And there's now one of the Fonz. Wow. And uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing uh, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm proud and excited and grateful. Do you remember your first day on the set of Happy Days? I do. I do. There was a joke. Uh, and I couldn't make it work. And I was so frustrated that I started to punch my script. And Ron Howard, now I'm 27. I got it on my 27th birthday. So I'm the oldest teenager ever. Ron Howard puts his arm around me and walks me to the back of the soundstage. We were on soundstage 24 at Paramount Studios. And he said, you know... The writers work very hard. I wouldn't punch my script. I said, Ron, I will never punch my script again as long as I'm a professional. He is so wise. He just is uh, an incredible guy. I just emailed him the other day and said, I miss you. Where are you in the world? You know, he was in Australia, I think, making a movie. Wow. Yeah. At least he's keeping himself busy and still doing something despite the pandemic. You know what? He keeps himself busy. He's got a drive that just doesn't quit. Yeah. You know, that really is the name of the game for everybody who is listening to your show. The key to your life is your will, your tenacity. Because people will always say, no, sorry. No, I don't like that idea. No, you're not right. No, no. And then what you do is like Tai Chi. You move out of the way. You let their energy go by. You come back to the center and you keep moving because you believe in yourself and you wind up where you want to be. It's the way the world works. Yeah. Fonz, as we said before, I, my opinion, the most iconic character in TV, just thinking about it, even when racism came about in Happy Days, when the, it would come up, he looked at it as cool versus uncool. He'd never That's judge right. anyone on the color of their skin. No, no. The, the Fonz was um, uh, a, a pretty civil guy. 
we did a show where, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, we went down south on a freedom ride. Mm. And uh, I knocked the wall and the racist sign fell off it. As a matter of fact, on my way to the restroom. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I do. Or I even remember I, the episode when, I believe it's the wedding where Mr. C has his old war buddy come and you're delivering the chairs to the house. And the right. conversation comes up about racism and that, that there's, there's going to be a black wedding there. And that's when you said it's cool versus uncool. Yeah, I, I'm I really, I, you know, and then uh, uh, Chris Rock brought this up at the very beginning of his stand-up uh, career. Uh, he talked about that the one black character really on Happy Days was Styx, the drummer, you know? Um, it is, it, it, it's just amazing now uh, television entertainment is a little more diversified uh, than it had been. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, an awfully white atmosphere. And now in front and behind of the camera are many more women, many more uh, uh, Asian American actors or just Asian uh, actors and uh, crew, uh, African American uh, in every capacity. It, it's pretty wonderful. And you bring up the character sticks. That's the one where there's the party at, at the house, Mr. C's right. house and everyone from Arnold's doesn't show up. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I'm telling you, it is, uh, it's like a, um, a worm that eats through the wood, the fabric of society. You know, not only that, but also it, what is amazing is that the um, the population of America is changing. And I don't know that uh, the people there are some people that are trying to keep America white, uh, completely white, and it just is not possible. Yeah. And not only that, but there's room for everybody. I, I, it's like shocking. We need more people like you, especially well, leading the charge for us. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I don't know. All I know is I'm, I'm starting to realize that you do what you can, you do what you believe in, and don't go into areas you don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. I, that, I've, I've learned that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like working with Pat Morita? As he Pat would... was funny. Yeah. Pat was dyslexic also. Wow. And you know all know those that. sounds? <laughs> Most of them came because he forgot his line. Wow. So he would make sounds um, in, in uh, you know, like I went E and whoa. And he would make all those sounds. He was a cutie pie he really was and then he was amazing in uh karate kid the karate kid you know wax on wax off i mean that <laughs> was a great character yeah the fonz has the classic moments and i think one of my favorite ones is when they tie you up in the living room because ralph mouth ran over your bike <laughs> i'm telling you we just read that script for a political fundraiser um, uh, like six or seven months ago, or maybe, maybe eight months ago. 
and it was amazing how it holds up. It was so funny. Ralph uh, Malf was played by Don Most, and he got back into the character like we were doing it yesterday. Lafont, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kill me, are you? You know, it's, uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it really is. Do you see there being another Happy Days reunion with the remaining characters? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've learned never to say never. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have no idea. We did one in 2004 when everybody was, or most people were still alive. Yeah. Uh, everybody showed up except for Al Molinaro, who played Al mm-hmm. also. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. After Happy Days, you had a, you had an amazing run. You started working behind the screen, behind the camera. How was that experience of working behind the camera for the first time and producing, directing? Well, you know what? So it was positive, and it was scary, and it was um, sad at the same time. So I, the first show I ever produced was MacGyver. Came on the air. We sold it. And it went on for seven years, 127 episodes. And then five years ago, it got rebooted and was on for five years and they just canceled it again. So what is that? Seven and five is what, 13? Mm -hmm. So it was on the air for 13 years. But the reason that I became a producer and a director is because I couldn't get hired as an actor. Uh, There was a drought because everyone said, wow, he is so funny. Wow, he's so wonderful, but he was the Fonz. And I was typecast. So if I'm going to survive in my head, if I'm gonna survive mentally and I'm gonna survive, I've now got a family. If I'm gonna survive and keep food on the table, I had to figure out and to to reinvent myself. So I started producing and uh, I directed, but my directing career, I directed some after school specials, a couple of television shows, uh, Dolly Parton's first television movie, uh, A Smoky Mountain Christmas. Uh, and I directed uh, two features, two feature films one for Billy Crystal and one with Burt Reynolds. But it never really, you know what I felt like my my directing career was like trying to start a lawnmower uh, before they became electric. You know, when you had to pull that cord and it just wouldn't turn over. Mm -hmm. That's the way I saw my directing career. And then in about 1991, because you got to hang in even especially during the tough time, 1991, I started getting acting jobs again. And uh, here I am uh, in 2021, uh, having a great time. Yeah. And still giving us great content. uh, Again on uh, July 30th, third season. I'm looking forward to that. Is that 
is that going to start work soon? Because I last I heard that it, they were still because I, I was following the show and hearing the news updates that they kept pushing it, pushing it off, pushing it off. July 30. Wow. Yeah, we, are, we start shooting the third season and they've already written the fourth. Wow. Yeah. Congrats on that. Oh, boy. I'm knocking on wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are going to be waiting on the end of their seats for that because 2020 well, was just we ended with me coming to the realization of what I heard from Fuchs about my girlfriend being killed. Yeah. And I thought, how are they going to deal with this? I've read all eight scripts of the third season. Amazing. Oh, can I say something? See this? Mm -hmm. I want to tell everybody during the summer, wear sunscreen wear sunscreen i thought i could get away with it there was novocaine a little scraping a little burning i smelled like a barbecue oh me yeah when i was going fly fishing for trout um i didn't wear sunscreen on my hands that's important we learn we learn you just gave yeah. some advice wear sunscreen yeah <laughs> I'm not kidding. If I don't, if you get nothing from me in this interview, wear sunscreen. Yeah, <laughs> you got that right. But I'm a big horror movie fan. We already know where we're going with this. And it, to me, you are in the last greatest horror movie of all time. That is screamed directed by one of the greatest writers and directors of all time, Wes Craven. He was a good friend of yours. You attended dinner with him and even had lunch with him at times to discuss this, that he wanted to put you as the principal Hembry in this movie. It was amazing um because really when you were when you were in his presence you thought you were talking to an english professor at a university calm quiet tweed i mean really just this lovely lovely man in his head there was an explosion of scary you know who knew yeah so uh, we went, we had sushi uh, every few weeks together. And he asked me, he said, look, it's a small part. Would you be in it? I said, I'd love to. And it turned out to be the principal, Principal Hembury. Now it comes time to put the movie out. And I'm told by my agent, you know, you're the Fonz and they're worried. It's going to like knock the... Um, the balance of the movie off, having the Fonz's name up there. So they're not putting your name on the screen. They're not putting your name on the one sheet. Now, every movie is tested in front of a live audience. They go to different parts of the country. Denver is a big city for that. Chicago, um, L.A., you know, out in the valley in L.A. So now they're testing the movie and my character walks on screen and I get a cheer. Now, all of a sudden, the same company that said, sorry, we're not going to put your name on the screen, said, would you do press for the movie? I said, you didn't want me associated with it. Now you want me to do press. Amazing. Unbelievable. And that scene took two hours when they tried to get the ghost face reflection in your eye. Yeah, that was uh, that shot was very precise. Uh, that was an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, Wes knew exactly what he wanted. He was great. 
the first time I got stabbed, I yelled and I didn't want to overact. And he came over to me and he said, do you think it might be a little more excruciating? I said, I can do that. Yes, yes, I can yell out. And if you think about it in the, in the scene in the closet, the Fonz jacket's in there. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> you tried on the first screen mask too. You know what? I want to tell you that I forgot that detail. Wow. I forgot that detail. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, because not everyone knows that. You have to have the true trivia of movies. And I remember yeah, that the Fonz really? jacket. Well, apparently I'm not up on it. <laughs> no no you're you're henry winkler you gotta be up on it but i mean just your lines in that film are memorable when the scene in the office with the two kids and you're and, you, and they say that it's not fair that you expel them and you said you're right it isn't fair fairness would be to rip your insides out hang you through a tree where you can expose the lifeless and sensitive little shits that you are <laughs> i'm telling you wes anderson wes uh went out wes anderson said a whole other kettle of fish that movie is going to open in october um wes anderson's new movie but um uh wes craven that he wrote that line this wonderful quiet fellow hmm unbelievable and then when you go out in the hallway it's just you, you play a rare principle well maybe if we don't see principles like this just going out in the hallway and you see damn little shits because they kept knocking on your door and then you see wes craven in the freddy sweater well yeah yeah he loved that that yeah. that was great uh he really um loved putting uh one movie in another that was great and then it and, and it went on to become a classic that's you know I am so fortunate when you, you know, I don't, I don't always think about this, but when you look back and I, I take a look at what I've, um, I've been part of and who I've worked with, yeah. it's, it's just amazing. It really, really is. I must say, I am a fortunate fellow. You are and rest in peace to, to Wes Craven, but, yeah, man. What what are your some of your favorite horror movies of all time besides working in screen? I have never gone to a horror movie. Wow, wow. I I get so scared. I saw Jaws, uh, in whenever it came out, nineteen seventy five. Uh, nineteen seventy five. I went to the movie theater, and when the when the fish came out of the water. I would I jumped so high I went from my seat to the seat in front of me in the in the row in front of me I, all of a sudden I was sitting in some woman's lap <laughs> I, I'm telling you I I don't do well I don't go on roller coasters I I don't enjoy being scared I don't I also don't like movies where the person like uh, body heat mm. great movie uh, you know I'm I'm told, but people who are so manipulative, who are so evil, scare me to death because I'm always afraid I'm not going to um, pick up on the cues and I'm going to um, fall prey to someone like that. Yeah. Now, I never knew that, but Jaws is, if you're going to go see a horror movie in theaters, that would be the one to go see is that the top oh, one. Mackerel. 
that uh, that was it. That was the beginning and the end of my horror movie career. Yeah. Then Wes Craven came along and you became a part of one. And rest yeah, but you know what? Doing it, the, you know, you, when you make a movie, you do your close up, you do a medium shot, you do the wide shot with everybody, you do other people in the scene. You're not aware of being scared. No. And then when you do a horror movie, there are maybe a multiple of 10 more shots that you must do to get the reaction in order to get the moment of fear. You know, it's much more complicated than your average movie. Yeah. So you're not aware of, uh, you're not scared and you're, you're there and you're watching what's going on. And but when you see it on screen, whoa. Oh, and, oh here's something great. I, I did not work with her, but Drew Barrymore, I met when she was a little, little girl. Her mother was one of the prostitutes in Night Shift. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. So she would come to the set and there's this wonderful little girl. That's real movie trivia. Yeah. I just remembered that classic and then night shift just can't remember you got to remember when you got the the, the leather hat the pimp leather the felt with the, the oh, furry hat great it's great classic but then eventually after scream you go on to build an amazing relationship with adam sandler one of the great comedians water boy you did click you did a number of yeah. films with him i did i did five uh one of them was um uh henry winkler covered in bees <laughs> and uh he called me up and I think it was at like 10 o'clock at night. He said, you got to do me a favor. Manny Sosa can't come. And I said, okay, where am I going? And I, so I went to the park uh, here in LA and I got into makeup at about 11. At three in the morning, I was ready to shoot. I thought, oh my God, I'm doing you a favor. And I'm here at five in the morning shooting, being covered in bees acting as if there was a swarm which was going to be put in electronically later on. But uh, Adam is also, he's in charge of everything he does. He's uh, uh, He doesn't dress well, but he's brilliant. <laughs> he really is. And yeah. we move on into Arrested Development. You play the family lawyer. You jump the shark for the second time. Years later, you jump the shark for a third time on Jimmy Kimmel. So you're the first person to jump the shark three times. You know what? That is true. And um, I'm proud of it. Arrested Development, the lawyer. <laughs> That's well, a funny you know, role. I was I was hired for like one or two episodes and I stayed for five years. You know, that was an amazing thing. Now, that's another guy, uh, Mitch Hurwitz, who is the head uh, uh, writer and creator of Arrested Development is truly a genius. So I have Gary Marshall. Um, Ron is amazing. Uh, Adam. Uh, the um, uh, Mitch Hurwitz. Bill Hader and Alec Berg together make a circle of greatness. And then I did Parks and Rec. Uh, I did a lot, you know, a few episodes. And Michael Shore is a brilliant guy. 
you know, who, who uh, was invented that. And then I, I think he went on to do uh, uh, nine, nine, uh, Brooklyn nine, nine or whatever, you know, right. Yeah. And then he went on to do um, the good place. Yeah. That's right. Brilliant writer. Royal pains. You also had some time on there. All right. So that was just um, going to be, you know, a few episodes as the dad. And I stayed for five years. I've been very lucky. Yeah. And those guys, all those guys are good friends of mine still. Most yeah. importantly, though, but Alien Superstar, but your previous series, when you started writing books in 2003, your agent at the time, Alan Berger, it's, I believe it was CAA. He wanted you to write a book that inspired children about dyslexia and how to overcome it and inspire kids. And you know why? Because in 2002, I was having a low. So writing a book, and he introduced me to Lynn Oliver, who is my writing partner. We've written 37 novels together. I thought I couldn't write one because I'm so dyslexic. And so that's a lesson that I really learned. And, and I'm going to say this to everybody, um, uh, every one of your fans. You don't know what you can accomplish until you actually try it. It's scary, but the fear that you anticipate is worse than the fear of actually doing it, whatever it is. Just try and you will amaze yourself. Yeah. Congratulations on that, because now you're achieving so many big things in various lanes. Yeah, it's amazing. And you know what? It I'm having a great time. I'm enjoying myself. Uh, it really is uh, wonderful. But I must say, Maxie, I got to go. Yes. I'm so happy that I got to spend this time with you. And uh, thank you for uh, inviting me. Oh, yes. And you're always welcome on the show. Thank you. And we look forward to seeing your upcoming season, Barry season three. We're looking forward to it. I'm, I'm sure you have another alien superstar on the way. Yeah. Um, October 5th, yeah. the, the trilogy will end. Uh, there are three. Uh, and it's about a 13 year old alien who lands on the back lot of Universal Studios and gets a job on a television show because he's already got the costume. They're funny. Have the most wonderful life. Yes. I look forward to hearing you on the radio. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Winkler. I appreciate it. I want you to enjoy the rest of your night. And we thank look forward you. to everything else you have coming our way. Thank you. I'm going to have a little roast chicken. <laughs> Good for you. And, 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 you know, enjoy the rest of your night. As I said, and we look forward to everything. And the best to you. Yes. Thank you.